Chapter 2. A New World is Revealed to Me Obviously, I had undergone a new birth by which I had been separated from all forms of fear. I now had courage such as I never before had experienced. Despite the fact that I had not yet been shown how or from what source I'd be able to secure the necessary funds which I was seeking, I had such absolute faith that the money would be forthcoming that I could already see it in my possession. On but few occasions in my entire life have I experienced such faith. It was a feeling which one person cannot describe to another. There are no words in the English language suitable for such a description, a fact that all who've had similar experiences can easily verify. I proceeded immediately to carry out the instructions I had received. All feeling that I had embarked upon an impossible mission had now left me. One by one I began to call into my mind the names of all my acquaintances I knew to be financially able to supply me with the $25,000 which I needed, starting with the name of Henry Ford and going over the entire list of more than 300 people. My other self plainly said, keep on searching. The darkest hour is just before dawn. But I had come to the end of my rope. My entire list of acquaintances had been exhausted and with it my physical endurance as well. I had been at work, concentrating my mind upon that list of names for the better part of two days and nights, having stopped only long enough to sleep for a few hours. I leaned back in my chair, shut my eyes, and went into a sort of doze for a few minutes. I was aroused by what seemed to be an explosion in the room. As I regained consciousness, the name of Albert L. Pelton, came into my mind, and with it a plan which I knew instantly to be the plan through which I would succeed in getting Mr. Pelton to publish my books. I remembered Mr. Pelton only as an advertiser in the Golden Rule magazine, which I had formerly published. I sent for a typewriter, addressed a letter to Mr. Pelton at Meriden, Connecticut, and described the plan just as it had been handed over to me. He answered by telegram, saying he would be in Philadelphia to see me the following day. When he came, I showed him the original manuscripts of my philosophy and briefly explained what I believed its mission to be. He turned through the pages of the manuscripts for a few minutes, then stopped suddenly and fixed his eyes on the wall for a few seconds and said, I will publish your books for you. The contract was drawn. A substantial advance payment on royalties was given me. The manuscripts were turned over to him and he took them back to Meriden. I did not ask him at the time what caused him to reach a decision to publish my books before he had read the manuscripts, but I do know that he supplied the necessary capital, printed the books, and assisted me in selling many thousands of sets of them to his own clientele of book buyers who were located in practically every English-speaking country in the world. My other self makes good. Three months from the day that Mr. Pelton called on me in Philadelphia, a completed set of my books was placed on the table in front of me, and my income from the sale of the books began to run high enough for all of my needs. These books are now in the hands of my students all over the world. My first royalty check from the sale of my books was for $850. As I opened the envelope in which it came, my other self said, Your only limitation is the one which you set up in your own mind. I am not sure that I understand just what this other self is, but I do know that there can be no permanent defeat for the man or the woman who discovers it and relies upon it. The day after Mr. Pelton came to see me in Philadelphia, the other self presented me with an idea which solved my immediate financial problem. 
The idea flashed into my mind that automobile merchandising methods had to undergo a drastic change and that future salesmen in this field would have to learn to sell automobiles instead of merely serving as buyers of used car trade-ins, as most of them were doing at the time. It also occurred to me that young men who had just finished college, and who therefore knew nothing of the old tricks of automobile merchandising, would be the material out of which this new brand of salesmen could best be developed. The idea was so distinct and impressive that I immediately called the sales manager of the General Motors company on long-distance telephone and briefly explained my plan to him. He too was impressed by it and referred me to the West Philadelphia branch of the Buick Automobile Company, which was then owned and managed by Earl Powell. I went to see Mr. Powell, explained my plan to him, and he retained me at once to train 15 carefully selected young college men through whom the plan was put into operation. My income from that retainer was more than enough to take care of all of my expenses for the following three months, until the returns from the sale of my books began to come in, including the cost of that expensive suite of rooms over which I had at first been so concerned. My other self had not disappointed me. The money I needed was in my hands at the proper time, just as I had been assured the money would be. By this time, I'd been convinced that my trip to Philadelphia was by no means a fool's mission, as my reason had indicated it would be before I left West Virginia. From that time, right up to this very minute, everything I have needed has come to me, and this despite the fact that the whole world has recently passed through a period of economic depression, when the bare necessities of life have not always been available to all people. Sometimes the arrival of the material things I needed has been a little late, but I can truthfully say that my other self has always met me at the crossroads when I have come to them and indicated which path I should follow. The other self follows no precedents, recognizes no limitations, and always finds a way to accomplish desired ends. It may meet with temporary defeat, but not with permanent failure. I am as sure of the soundness of this statement as I am of the fact of being engaged in writing these lines. Meanwhile, I earnestly hope that some of the millions of men and women who have been wounded by the business depression and other unpleasant experiences will discover within themselves this strange entity, which I have called my other self, and that the discovery will lead them as it has led me into a closer relationship with that source of power which surmounts obstacles and masters difficulties instead of being mastered by them. There is a great power to be discovered in your other self. Search sincerely and you will find it. Failure, a blessing in disguise. I have made another discovery as the result of this introduction to my other self, namely that there is a solution for every legitimate problem, no matter how difficult the problem may seem. I've also discovered that there comes with every experience of temporary defeat and every failure and every form of adversity the seed of an equivalent benefit. Mind you, I did not say the full-blown flower of success, but the seed from which that flower may be made to germinate and grow. I know of no exception to this rule. The seed of which I speak may not always be observed, but you may be sure it is there in one form or another. I do not pretend to understand all about this strange force which reduced me to poverty and want and filled me with fear and then gave me a new birth of faith through which I've been privileged to extend help to tens of thousands who found themselves slipping. 
But I do know that such a force has come into my life and that I am doing all that I can to place others in communication with it. During my quarter century of research into the causes of success and failure, I have discovered many principles of truth which have been helpful to me and to others, but nothing I've observed has impressed me more than the discovery that every great leader of the past, whose record I've examined, was beset by difficulties and met with temporary defeat before, quote, arriving. From Christ on down to Edison, the men who've achieved the most have been those who met with the most stubborn forms of temporary defeat. This would seem to justify the conclusion that infinite intelligence has a plan or a law by which it hurdles men over many obstacles before giving them the privilege of leadership or the opportunity to render useful service in a noteworthy fashion. I would not wish to be again subjected to the experiences through which I passed during that fateful Christmas Eve in 1923, and since, on that eventful evening when I walked around the schoolhouse in West Virginia and fought that terrible battle with fear, but all the wealth in the world would not induce me to divest myself of the knowledge I have gained from those experiences. Faith has a new meaning to me. I repeat that I do not know exactly what this other self is, but I know enough about it to lean upon it in a spirit of absolute faith in times of difficulty, when the ordinary reasoning faculty of my mind seems to be inadequate for my needs. The economic depression which started in 1929 brought misery to millions of people, but let us not forget that the experience also brought many blessings, not the least of these being the knowledge that there is something infinitely worse than being forced to work. It is being forced not to work. In the main, that depression was more of a blessing than it was a curse if analyzed in the light of the changes it brought to the minds of those who were wounded by it. The same is true of every experience which changes men's habits and forces them to turn to the great within for the solution of their problems. The time which I spent in seclusion in West Virginia was by great odds the most severe punishment of my life, but the experience brought blessings in the form of needed knowledge, which more than offset the suffering which it cost me. These two results, the suffering and the knowledge gained from it, were inevitable. The law of compensation, which Emerson so clearly defined, made this result both natural and necessary. What the future may hold for me in the way of disappointment through temporary defeat, I of course have no way of knowing. I do know, however, that no experience of the future can possibly wound me as deeply as have some of those of the past, because I am now on speaking terms at least with my other self. Since this other self took charge of me, I have come by useful knowledge which I am sure I never would have discovered while my old fear entity was on the throne. For one thing, I have learned that those who meet with difficulties which seem insurmountable may, if they will do so, best overcome these difficulties by forgetting them for a time and helping others who have greater problems. The Value of Giving Before Trying to Get I am sure that no effort which we extend to those who are in distress can go without some form of adequate reward. Not only does the reward come from those to whom the service is rendered, but it will come from one source or another. I seriously doubt that any man can avail himself of the benefits of his other self as long as he is steeped in greed and avarice, envy and fear. But if I am wrong in this conclusion, 
then I still have the unusual honor of being one who has found peace of mind and happiness through a viewpoint that was not sound. I would prefer being thus wrong and happy to being right and unhappy, but this viewpoint is not wrong. As long as I remain on good terms with my other self, I shall be able to acquire every material thing that I need. Moreover, I shall be able to find happiness and peace of mind. What more could anyone else accomplish? The sole motive which inspired me to write this book was a sincere desire to be helpful to others by sharing with them as much as they may be prepared to accept of the stupendous fortune which became mine the moment I discovered my other self. This fortune, happily, is one that cannot be measured in material or financial terms alone because it is greater than everything which such things represent. Material and financial fortunes, when reduced to their most liquid terms, are measurable in terms of bank balances. Bank balances are no stronger than banks. This other fortune of which I speak is measurable, not only in terms of peace of mind and contentment, but as manifested in those adept at prayer. My other self has taught me to concentrate upon my purpose and to forget about the plan by which it is to be attained when I go to prayer. I am not suggesting that material objects may be acquired without plans. What I am saying is that the power which translates one's thoughts or desires into realities has its source in an infinite intelligence which knows more about plans than the one doing the praying. Stating the case in another way, May it not be wise, when praying, to trust to the universal mind to hand over the plan best suited for the attainment of the object of that prayer. My experience with prayer has taught me that so often all which results from prayer is a plan, if the prayer is answered at all, a plan that is suited for the attainment of the object of the prayer through natural and material media. The plan must be transmuted through self-effort action. I know nothing about any form of prayer which can be induced to work favorably in a mind that is colored in the slightest degree by fear. A New Way to Pray Since becoming better acquainted with my other self, my way of praying is different from what it was before. I used to go to prayer only when facing difficulty. Now I go to prayer before difficulty overtakes me when possible. I now pray not for more of this world's goods and greater blessings, but to be worthy of that which I already have. I find that this plan is better than the old one. Infinite intelligence seems not at all offended when I give thanks and show that I am grateful for the blessings which have crowned my efforts. I was astounded when I first tried this plan of offering a prayer of thanks for what I already possessed to discover what a vast fortune I had owned without being appreciative of it. For example, I discovered that I possessed a sound body which had never been seriously damaged by illness. I had a mind which was reasonably well balanced. I had a creative imagination through which I could render useful service to great numbers of people. I was blessed with all the freedom I desired in both body and mind. I possessed an imperishable desire to help others who were less fortunate. I discovered that happiness, the highest aim of mankind, was mine for the taking, business depression or no business depression. Last, but by no means least, I discovered that I had the privilege of approaching infinite intelligence, either for the purpose of offering thanks for what I already possessed, or to ask for more and for guidance. It may be helpful for every reader of this book to take inventory of his or her intangible assets. Such an inventory may disclose possessions of priceless value.
some signs we have overlooked. The whole world is undergoing a change of such stupendous proportions that millions of people have become panic-stricken with worry, doubt, indecision, and fear. It seems to me that now is a splendid time for those who have come to the crossroads of doubt to endeavor to become acquainted with their other selves. All who wish to do so will find it helpful if they take a lesson from nature. Observation will show that the eternal stars shine nightly in their accustomed places, that the sun continues to send down its rays of warmth, causing Mother Earth to yield an overabundance of food and clothing, that water continues to flow downhill, that the birds of the air and the wild animals of the forest receive their accustomed requirements of food, that useful day follows restful night, that busy summer follows the inactive winter, that the seasons come and go precisely as they did before the 1929 depression began, that in reality only men's minds have ceased to function normally, and this because men have filled their minds with fear. Observation of these simple facts of everyday life may be helpful as a starting point for those who wish to supplant fear by faith. I am not a prophet, but I can, with all due modesty, predict that every individual has the power to change his or her material or financial status by first changing the nature of his or her beliefs. Do not confuse the word belief with the word wish. The two are not the same. Everyone is capable of wishing for financial, material, or spiritual advantages, but the element of faith is the only sure power by which a wish may be translated into a belief, and a belief into reality. And right here is an appropriate place at which to call attention to a real benefit which anyone may experience by deliberately using faith and focusing attention upon any form of constructive desire. The mind acts upon one's dominating or most pronounced desires. There is no escape from this fact. It is a fact indeed. Be careful what you set your heart upon, for it surely shall be yours. Faith is the beginning of all great achievement. If Edison had stopped by merely wishing for the secret with which electric energy might be harnessed and made to serve through the incandescent lamp, that convenience to civilization would have remained among nature's multifarious secrets. He met with temporary defeat more than 10,000 times before wresting this secret from nature. It was finally yielded up to him because he believed it would be, and he kept on trying until he had the answer. Edison uncovered more of nature's secrets, they might have been called miracles at an earlier period, in the realm of physics than did any other man who ever lived, and this because he became acquainted with his other self. I have his own word for this, but even if I did not have it, his achievements of themselves have disclosed the secret in their unfoldment. Nothing within reason is impossible to the man who knows and relies upon his other self. Whatever man believes to be true has a way of becoming true. A prayer is a released thought, sometimes expressed in audible words and at other times expressed silently. I have observed by experience that a silent prayer is as efficacious as the one which is expressed in words. I have also observed that one's state of mind is the determining factor when prayer works, as well as when it does not. My conception of the other self, which I have tried to describe, is that it merely symbolizes a newly discovered approach to infinite intelligence, an approach which one may control and direct through the simple process of mixing faith with one's thoughts. This is only another way of saying that I now have greater faith in the power of prayer. The state of mind, known as faith, 
apparently opens to one the medium of a sixth sense, through which one may communicate with sources of power and information far surpassing any available through the five physical senses. There comes to your aid and to do your bidding with the development of the sixth sense, a strange power which, let us assume, is a guardian angel who can open to you at all times the door to the temple of wisdom. The sixth sense comes as near to being a miracle as anything I've ever experienced, and it appears so perhaps because I do not understand the method by which this principle is operated. This much I do know, that there is a power or a first cause, or an intelligence which permeates every atom of matter and embraces every unit of energy perceptible to man, that this infinite intelligence converts acorns into oak trees, causes water to flow downhill in response to the law of gravity, follows night with day and winter with summer, each maintaining its proper place and relationship to the other. This intelligence may aid in transmuting one's desires into concrete or material form. I have this knowledge because I've experimented with it and have experienced it. I have for many years followed the habit of taking personal inventory of myself once a year for the purpose of determining how many of my weaknesses I have bridged or eliminated and to ascertain what progress, if any, I had made during the year.